the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. I'm joined by the best representation of the exact opposite, Ramon B. Producer, button pusher, extraordinaire, extraordinaire. I would like to start off with an apology. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, if you can hear any drilling, any pounding, any explosions, any kind of uh, jackhammering it's in all the background, your fault. Um, this building is going through an entire remodel. Have you seen the first floor? Do you know the history of this building? I don't. Do you know who developed this building? No. I believe, I'm pretty sure it was uh, former governor, Fife Symington. Fife. Fife Fifey. dog. Fifey. He was one of my favorite governors, by the way. Why is that? Uh, he he was one of those guys that just did his job and kept his mouth shut. You That's a see him on TV all the time. Uh, Doug Ducey, same way. Kept his mouth shut. The current governor needs to keep her mouth shut. I'm not sure she's going to do it. <laughs> Didn't she disappear for like a day? She I, like- I, I hope she had a brain transplant if she went away. Yeah, not the brightest girl. Is that okay to say? I, I think not. I said it anyway. It's, That's, it's, we're going with it. We're going we're with going it. We're going with it. You know, I'm very judgy. I've never noticed that. You'll notice it in our headline of the day. <clears throat> the judgment of the day. The headlines of the day, these are actual, this is real news. I got this. I printed this off. You know, it used to be you get the newspaper and you'd take the news. And now, now you have to go on the internet, which was designed to save us paper. And then you... Print it, print it off. Print it yeah. out. We've never printed so much paper since the internet was invented. Have you noticed that? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's yeah. digital, they say. <laughs> yeah. And then you print it on paper. Uh, naked attraction. Have you heard of this? Uh, yes. Have you have heard of this? Oh, yeah. I'm, I don't know about the headline, but I just have it in general. No. I'm talking about the TV show. Oh, okay. They, <laughs> no, that, not that one. Not your other one. I'm talking about... Naked Attraction, it's the new, fully nude, mm. mind you, TV import from Britain. Is that right? Yeah. Now, remember how much better some people looked with masks on during COVID? Have we learned nothing? Depends on where you put the mask, I suppose. I, I think the idea is it's going to take our mind off their bad teeth because they're from Britain. Oh, was that the punchline? Hold on. <laughs> oh my. Now, listen. You know the joke is bad if if Ramon doesn't know it was the punchline. Or How about not. an extra one? I need an extra one. There you go. Are we still talking about the rim shot? Now, uh, naked attraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should have our own. Lo- I'm going to enjoy some coffee. Fully need, clothed. I've got, I've got attract. A, oh, hold, yeah. hold on, coffee. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> 
You know, I was under the weather. Did I mention that to you? No. Yeah, I had the para flu. Have you ever heard of this thing? Is that two flus at once? I don't know what it is. A para flus. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how para is spelled, but it was um, it was annoying. And you're feeling better now. I feel like a hundred percent. Fantastic. Which oh. at my age is not. It's probably about thirty percent. Yeah. Remind yeah. me to lice all that room when you leave. Oh yeah, you're gonna want to do that always when I leave. You're always gonna want to do that. So now the building we're in, it's a skyscraper, right? Oh yeah, what like fourteen, fifteen floors maybe. Is that is that how I? That's it. No, I think it's eight. No, it's, is it more? It's, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're on floor number five. Five. We're halfway there. I think we're halfway. But we have a lovely view. Yes. Of the smokers on the balcony outside mm-hmm. of the AMC theater. Right outside of the theater. And then the neighborhood I grew up in, which is a slum. Uh, oh, and then we have the uh, today. Mm-hmm. Have you smelled it? Yeah, something. something. You know what that is? No. The landfill caught on fire. Is that? In Gilbert. Was, I was. I was. I which improves to- the smell of Gilbert generally. <laughs> but in Scottsdale, it's made it worse. I got out of the car down at the parking lot, and I'm like, did I forget my deodorant? Because mm-hmm. something has gone around. So my, my wife works yeah. in one of these big office buildings on the 101, the freeway. Okay. Mm-hmm. And evidently, the air conditioning unit has sucked in all the smoke Ooh, on the inside. <laughs> man. Wow. And I can smell it inside my house. So that's bad. Oof. It doesn't look that, that uh, smoky. No, out. not really. But it smells like burning diapers. So yeah. not a good smell. Not I'm one. Saying. No, well. So the building we're in is under construction. So if you go in floor number one. Better than fresh diapers, though, by the way. You know what I noticed is I got – I forget why I got off – oh, Lisa was here a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and we – and I brought her in because she – no one can figure out how to get to here from where I park or where no, you park. No, it's It's, it's quite, impossible. Quite a G.I. Joe adventure. So I had her valet park at the Ritz-Carlton there or the whatever the hotel is now called. And uh, so we go in on floor number one and it is ripped apart. And then you can see what a skyscraper looks like on the inside. A lot they of took concrete, all the, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Looks very sturdy, I will say that. And it's this not is, falling down. This is all exciting for a podcast because uh, people – Probably not. All but, right. you know, well, it's real estate. And you know what? This is real estate. That's correct. Yeah. They built a building. They rented it out and here we are. Doing this. I'm paying the rent. That's what, one way or the other. So uh, so here's the deal. We've been talking about market analysis. I'm not going to make you do the joke. Country Music I'm Award. Gonna, <laughs> squeezed it in. Okay, that's fine. The, so when you do – this is what I teach the fearless agents. My coaching students, you do the – we follow the principles of real estate, which are you never, ever talk commission – until they're sold on the price. You never, ever talk price until they're sold on listing with you tonight. And you never, ever talk about you and how great your company is if they're not sold on using a realtor. Uh, so if if they're a for sale by owner, for example, uh, you would uh, have to do the fearless agent for sale by owner presentation. And then uh, – when they at the end of that, you say, uh, assuming I'm the world's greatest agent, um, isn't it a pretty good bet you'd be better off with an agent? Be honest. And they say, oh, yeah, we're done with this crazy for sale by owner thing. That's that's nuts. We know we need an agent. Say, OK. And then you go right into the fearless agent listing presentation and then you do the nutshell close at the end. 
and you say, uh, assuming we can agree, and agree on a price, is it fair to say we're going to get the ball rolling tonight? And they go, yes, you're, you're the guy. We love you, Bob. We're going to list with you for sure. And I'd say, okay, then we start the pricing presentation. At the end of the pricing presentation, I say, so uh, the close at the end, is, like I said last week, is uh, so I'll leave it entirely up to you. How long do you actually want it to take for you to get your money? So they were thinking they were going to pick the price. Now they go, oh, uh, well, we need to move by such and such a time or whatever, whatever they say. And then I'm going to recommend an asking price. So just write this down. CMA, Siggy, okay? No Siggy, no money, Floyd Wickman used to say to me. Fair market value is defined by fearless agents is one showing per day after the initial spurt is over. So let's say at the end of the second week on the market, if you're consistently getting one showing a day, not more than that, not less than that, you know that it's not going to take more than 30 days and you're going to be able to sell that listing at that price, okay, unless there's something really crazy wrong. <clears throat> so the number of offers you get don't really tell you what fair market value is, but the number of showings you get does. The appraisal you got for the refi, that doesn't tell you what fair market value is, but the number of showings you get. The seller's opinion of what the price should be is not indicative of what fair market value is. The number of showings you get when you're on the market. So if you have a listing that's not selling – and you call me, whether I coach you or not, and, and say, Bob, what do you think fair market value is? Probably I'm going to be very accurate on that. If you're already on the market, the number of showings is telling you everything you need to know. For example, let's say, let's say you're asking uh, 374.9, okay, 375. And you're getting uh, at the end of week two, three showings a week. All right. Is there is there anybody on planet Earth that's a level-headed real estate agent that wouldn't say, "I think you're a little I think you're a little overpriced." If you're getting one showing a month, obviously you're overpriced. If you're getting th only 3 showings a week, obviously you're not a lot overpriced, you're a little overpriced. By the way, if you were getting 3 showings a day, wouldn't it occur to you that you're underpriced a little bit, not a lot? If you're getting 20 showings a day, would it occur to you that you're underpriced? Yeah. So if you're getting three showings a day at the end of the second week, you're a little underpriced, right? So somewhere between three showings a day and three showings a week, there's one showing a day, and that is the definition of fair market value and no sane human that knows anything about real estate could argue otherwise. That's the definition of fair market value. And there never will be another one. That's it. Okay. So you, your goal when you do the market analysis is to f try to guess what, at what price at the end of the second week on the, on the market. Obviously, on day one, you get more showings than you do on day two, and you get more on day two than you do on day three, and it kind of dwindles down, and then you're consistently getting a number of showings per week or per day. 
So one showing per day is what the is the guess we're trying to make. So then, at the at to when you're getting the signature, you're going to recommend an asking price. Okay. So on the back of my CMA, I I do a. CMA or I did when I was an agent a CMA form that I never showed the the seller it was for me so I do my CMA for me to come out with the price that I'm going to recommend as or tell them my guess at fair market estimate so on the back of my CMA that I never showed them until I'm getting the listing right when I'm getting the signature uh, I'm I'm flipping I'm showing them the CMA that I did and then I write fair market value estimate and then I would write that that price. So let's say it's 375. Then I then I put the recommended asking price that I recommended. So let's say that's you know 325 or might might be it depends on them actually. It could be 375. It could be if they said I'm not selling unless I net X, then I would take that price, do the math, figure out what it takes to net that higher than fair market value, and then I would price it at that. And then I would put the actual asking price that we listed it for initially. So I've got fair market value estimate, recommended asking price, actual asking price, and then I have them initial that and sign it, and then the net I estimate what their net is going to be. So I estimate their net based on fair market value minus 12% minus how much they owe. And then I say, I want you to make your plans on me handing you a check for an amount. Okay. Now, my job is to make this amount bigger. I'm extremely good at my job. And if it ever turned out that you're getting less than that, then that means I screwed up and I never screw up. So I want you to make your plans on me handing you a check for $134,000. Any questions? And they say, uh, no. And I'd say, okay, I need you to sign right here. And they're, they're signing the listing at that point, okay? Or they say, oh, we were hoping for more than that. And then I have the puppy dog look and I go, yeah, mm -hmm, I know. And then they look at each other because I'm being dead silent. I'm not going to step on the silence by talking. They look at each other and they go, well, we, pro we probably knew it was going to be about that. OK. And then I hand them the paperwork and they sign it. So uh, <clears throat> or we listed higher than that. You could do that. I didn't, but you could. But I'm not changing the net that I'm estimating, okay? I'm, I'm having them make their plans on that number. So I have all that on the back of that market analysis form. So they're initialing that they saw the market analysis form. They saw my fair market value estimate. They saw my recommended asking price. They saw the actual asking price that we may not have agreed on that. And then they saw the net that I, I told them to make their plans on. Okay. So that cures amnesia. They can't later on say, well, you told us this and you told us that. Some you know people get drunk and they forget what we talked about. Um, so that's just a good, a, a very good habit. So, you know, that we had Ryan Haryu, 
on the on the podcast uh, many episodes ago. I just talked to him the other day, and it made me made me remember something. But he he had a um, and we had been talking about pricing for the last couple of weeks, I think. Uh, but he he called me and told me he had a two bedroom, one bath house listed for one hundred and thirty four nine, and he was getting one showing a week. Okay, so just write that down. So one showing a week. It's two bedroom, one bath. So that would be count. We would count that as functional obsolescence these days. So these days when they build. Houses. They haven't built a one-bathroom single-family home since uh, 1956-ish. That was the last time that ever happened. So in 1953 and 1954, it was – that was the transition period. In 1953, all houses had one bathroom and in 1954, they invented the 7-Eleven Big Gulp. Do you remember that? Is that when it was invented? Yeah, that's why all houses oh. have two bathrooms now. Yeah, the Seven Eleven big. The drinks are huge these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah, big gulp is nothing now. Yeah, it's that's like tiny to compared 32. to these. I, I go in like. Have you ever been to a Wawa? No. In in some states they have these amazing convenience. Imagine a Circle oh, K. Thankfully, it's a store. I wasn't even sure wonder. where you were going. It's to. a Wawa. Okay. Yeah. But they have – it's the best convenience store ever, okay? They have all kinds of amazing things, but they have the humongousest drinks I've ever seen, um, which I don't recommend. Why not? Well, because you're going to spill it in your car. Sometimes they're so big they don't even fit into the cup holder of your vehicle. Right. That's huge. Yeah, they have this giant thing on the top, and yeah. then they've scaled it down on the bottom yeah. so it fits in that tiny cup holder. That always balances very yeah, nicely. So there, there's, it's not a good idea. You get a little fender bender, and you're, you know, you're, there's flooding. Um, where were we going with that? Two bathrooms. Oh, two bathroom houses. That's right. So now every day, everything is two bathroom, and then really two bedroom houses aren't built anymore. So now four bedroom houses are kind of the norm, or three bedrooms with that office room or something that doesn't have a closet. So that's kind of normal these days. But uh, a two-bedroom, one-bath house, he had it listed for $134.9, and he was getting one showing a week. And I said, let's just try an experiment, okay? I said, does the seller trust you 100% and they'll do whatever you tell them? And he goes, oh, yeah, they trust me 100%. I said, okay. Uh, I want you to change the asking price Obviously, it's overpriced at one hundred and thirty-four nine. And by the way, if it had two bathrooms, it might not have been invisible. You know, you have to think of the way people search in the MLS. The buyer comes to the agent. The agent sits many times. This is not the way to do it, but they sit in front of the buyer and they say, "How many this do you want? How many that?" And they say, "Do you have to have three bedrooms?" And they go, "Nah, we we could we could be okay with two bedrooms." You go, "Okay." And then they'd say, "Well, you obviously want two bathrooms." And they go, "Yes." And you're nodding your head. So then they type in 1.75 bathrooms or more, and you are invisible to everybody who really doesn't have to pee as often as I do. I think that's the you know at my age, the only time I don't have to go is while I'm going. So the um, why are you making that face? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Never pass up a chance to use a restroom. So, right. Never miss an opportunity. 
We were talking about the restroom last week. Yes. Yeah. So um, and if you want to tune into last week's episode to find out what's the find deal out. in the men's room at the radio station, we covered it completely. Exciting but stuff. But you do have complimentary combs, which I will not be using. No. No. So the um, – the idea is uh, I recommend that he change the asking price to 124.9. So write down 134.9 equals one showing per week. Just write that down. So I recommend he, he changes the asking price to 124.9. Now, I know that that's going to increase. It's like the volume knob on the number of showings he's going to get and that $25,000 price barrier and the 50s and the 75s and the 100s are big deals. So you don't want to be just on the high side of one of those. So he happened to be 10000 on the high side. So he calls me and says, I got an offer in four hours. He got five more offers in 48 hours and then he sold it to a conventional loan person with plenty of money down for $137,000. So did he lower the price? No. He raised the sales price, didn't he? Yeah. He raised the sales price from zero, which is what he was originally getting when he was priced at 134.9 to 137,000. The seller loved him and was thanking him profusely. So there's this magic thing about pricing that if you're priced just a little high, and again, he had not only a pricing problem but a bathroom problem. And you can't lie about how many bathrooms you got. It, it, has, it had only one. It only had two bat bedrooms, which if he had three, that would have opened up to a lot more. It would have been visible to a lot more sellers. So if you have a listing that's not selling, if you have a listing that expires, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a seller and your listing expired – why did it not sell? And the answer is because it was invisible to the one buyer on planet Earth willing to pay the most and probably the top 100 buyers never even knew it was for sale. So there are other things that you can do uh, that will make your listing, your house, invisible to the one buyer who is willing to pay the most. So in my um, – well, in this area of town, as we're looking down on uh, people, as we love to do anyway, we look down on people all day. Why not get on the fifth floor and do it more easily? Yeah, absolutely. I always say. So these houses were built uh, in the neighborhood I'm looking at in about 1956, 57, 58 the nearest neighborhood that we can see, those rooftops. So those houses had one-car carports. Now, in Arizona, you don't have to have a garage, and a one-car garage is actually worse than a one-car carport because the garage, you're boxed in and you can't open the door of the car and get out easily. So um, you, you had uh, – in the old days, you'd have an aluminum shed in the backyard. Remember the aluminum shed? I still have one. So what do, do you have an aluminum yep. shed? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if – that's where you, you take – there's stuff that's inside your house and you mm -hmm. say, I need to throw that out. And then you say, I don't think I'm going to throw it out. 
I think I'm going to take it out to the aluminum shed and age the garbage until it's nice and ripe, and then you open up the aluminum shed. <laughs> you go, why did I hang on to that? Piece I of- refer to it as the staging area for staging garbage. Staging area, yes, right. eventual. It's garbage. God's waiting room, so to speak. So you, uh, before you take it to the garbage, you just age it. You heat it up real hot in the summer. You know, make it nice and crispy. So uh, the one-car carport gets enclosed into a 200-square-foot room that uh, you would use like as a little, you know, office space or something like that. Now, when you list the house, the again, the buyer sits down with their agent and the, and the agent says, uh, would you have to have a garage or could you live with a carport? And they go, oh, no, we could live with a carport, you know. And you say um, – would you have to have two cars or could you live with a one-car carport? And they go, yeah. You know, I mean, they're, maybe they're struggling money-wise. They go, yeah, I, I could live with a one-car carport. And they type in one-car carport or greater. And if you have enclosed that covered parking, you are invisible to every buyer that's searching. I mean, you're literally invisible to almost every buyer. There's no buyer that says, oh, no, it's 140 in the sun here. I don't need covered parking. So enclosing your garage devalues the house tremendously and and you'd get maybe 12 bucks a square foot for the additional square footage that you added that's livable. And then, of course, you're stepping down and it's not vented the same and it's got a window AC unit or something crappy like that. So it's a disaster from that standpoint. So what, what's, the, what's the workaround? So in my farm area that I sold lots of houses with, it was built in 1958. There were houses that had – they all were built with carports. Hardly any houses had garages initially. So some of them had two-car carports and many people would turn them into a garage. Uh, some people had one-car carports. Some of those people would turn them into a garage. And then a lot of people would enclose the two-car carport or two-car uh, one-car carport and make a room and now they had no covered parking, which is financially devastating because they're invisible to all the buyers. So I would have the seller – I'd write in the listing, seller agrees to reconvert the family room into a garage with an acceptable offer. Now, I advertise the square footage that the house used to be before they enclosed like a two-car garage would be about 400 square feet or a one-car is about 200 square feet. So I would take that square footage out, not not advertise that. So there, that way people are showing up. So if let's say you have a 1,500 square foot house, OK, and you've enclosed the um, two-car garage. So that's now a 1,900 square foot house, OK? So people that are looking – for 1,800 square feet or bigger, when when they're looking at those houses that were built with 1,800 square foot, well, every room is bigger. You know, it, it's not just you have another room; it's you have the kitchen is much bigger. Everything is bigger. The bedrooms are bigger. The bathrooms are bigger. So then they're used to seeing those houses, and then they come to this 1,500 square foot 1958 special with this clip-on tie crappy add-on and they go, oh, this is not what I was expecting. But when they go – 
when they're looking for a 1,500-square-foot house and they see yours and then they go, oh, there's that big room there that used to be the garage and they go, oh, well, that's not so bad. They never ask for you, but I can list it legally in the MLS as having a two-car garage and then the seller never has to has to change it back. So that's a workaround on that. So uh, hopefully that helps you. By the way, let's do a shameless plug, shall we? Time for Bob Leffler's Shameless Plug! If any of the stuff we talk about on this show makes any sense to you whatsoever and you have to be – and you happen to be earning less selling – real estate than you wish you were, and you're also open to the idea of having some help with that, go to fearlessagent.com. In the banner at the top, click on the webinar, watch that, and then give me a call anytime at 480-385-8810. That is my cell phone. We'll just see if you and what you're trying to do and what we do at Fearless Agent, if it would be a good fit. If it's not a good fit, I'll tell you. If you think it's not a good fit, you can tell me. Uh, I won't be closing you at the end of that, which just to see if you're good fit and if you decide to sign up for coaching, great. Uh, and I, by the way, I love talking to realtors. Don't think you're bothering me. Uh, please don't email me or text me. Just call me at 480-385-8810. And uh, also, if you're a real estate company owner and you happen to be recruiting fewer producing agents than you wish you were, and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, Please watch my video on recruiting at fearlessagentrecruiting.com. Also, if all of you would subscribe to this podcast uh, at uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, go to fearlessagent.tv and subscribe there uh, and, and watch the webinar, all of you who haven't yet. And then you can call me anytime, again, at 480-385-8810. And until next week, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Please do visit us at fearlessagent.com. Please do give us a five-star review of this podcast and whatever platform you're on. And until next week, do what we always do. Ramon and I always have fun, don't we? Oh, yeah. We always stay humble. For good reason, and always be fearless. Thanks, gang. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.